All righty. Welcome to Unstuck. I'm Jonathan, one of your co-hosts, joined here with Eddie and Danny. What's up? And so today's episode is chapters one through three, Billy Boy. So we're going to start it off with segment one, our literary analysis on the, the phrase, so it goes. I mean, as many of you know, you've read the book, I hope. He commonly uses the phrase, so it goes. And many times it's after a death or a horrible situation. So he's trying to get to the bottom of what what the significance of this is. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. So it goes after talking about morbidity and death. It's something that I don't think is often used. It's just like we're at a funeral and it's not often. Ah, so it goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it seems like almost he's trying to brush past it and like get rid of the significance of these people's pain and suffering. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty interesting thing to do. Danny, what are your thoughts? I'm thinking it's like, so he talks about the Trophamidorians and how they think death is just like another moment in your life and it's not less or more significant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah, I mean, they, they did make a big point about death is not really important. No, it's just another thing you relive and relive because all moments are happening at the same time and all that stuff. But also you have to think about the thing. He's kind of obsessed with torture. He brings yeah. it up. Uh, I forget the exact quote, but he brings it up in the book and he's very interested with torture. And like, I'm pretty sure he describes an animal that he kills or something when he's little. I may be Even wrong. Crucifix description is kind of. Yeah, as, as well. I mean, that's uh, he he describes how they'd be like some pe- some doctors would be like in love with this crucifix with how detailed all the all the scars and the the um like the whip marks and all the um what else would that be like just all everything on Jesus's body and he just says how like details that how detailed that was and just points all that out so it's very interesting yeah I mean and and also you have to wonder how much the plane crash plays a role in this because yeah because when you're thinking about it he's had a near-death experience everybody on that plane died except for him so right he just see maybe he just is unfazed by death at this point and so it goes when somebody dies oh well kick him to the curb i guess (laughs) kick him to the curb you know i mean that is just sometimes the way life goes so it goes one might say (laughs) one might say that one might say (laughs) i agree i mean this guy is interesting for sure i think it's very um, one thing I wanted to touch on was just how like it starts off with a nonfiction chapter for setting up a fiction book. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Very, that doesn't happen. Often. Very interesting, and and I think that uh, as well the dedication of the book is is very interesting. You guys have thoughts on that? Um, honestly, I'm very not confused, but are we sure that that is for like real? The first chapter. That's the thing. Yeah. See that. I don't know that if we've confirmed that yet. Yeah, because at the exactly. end of our reading, we just found out that they're standing next to Billy Pilgrim, or that's what they they said. Yeah, he just he just jumps into this like, <laughs> like to this like. Also, you have to wonder is is this fiction? These two chapters, or is this right? Something is this his war experience? Right. I mean, he's going around talking to all these people, saying like. Oh, let me look for this. Like, like I need help writing this book about the war, and they start jumping into this book about a war. So, I'm gonna assume that. I mean, I know we shouldn't assume things, but I'm gonna assume that he 
He's no, talking about himself. I, I think that's a fair assumption because it's. I mean, it is a very interesting, very interesting take on writing a novel. You know. Yeah, and also I just want to circle back to a little point we made earlier about uh, the unfazed by death. There's a moment, I think it's in chapter two, could be chapter three, where yeah. he's shot at in the middle of a road by a sniper, and he just sits yeah. there and thinks, I think I'm going to give him another try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's in chapter yeah, the two. Other, the guys in his, like, the other two guys said they were constantly saving his life. Like, they were just, put, he was just <laughs> always putting himself in harm's way somehow. Yeah. yeah. He, he just, I don't know. He seems like, just, he does not care, which is... It actually just seems to be his view on everything, I guess. Just no cares in the world. So it goes. Yeah. So it goes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm right here. Um, chapter one, or is it chapter one? No, chapter two. Sorry. Uh, about the crucifix. So he says, Billy had an extremely gruesome crucifix hanging on the wall of his little bedroom in Ilium. A military surgeon would have admired the clinical fidelity of the artist's rendition of all Christ's wounds, the spear wounds, the thorn wounds. The holes that were made by the iron spikes. Billy's Christ died horribly. He was pitiful. So it goes. I mean, that's just a very interesting little uh, quote there. I think that to end that in so it goes. I mean, that's a pretty gruesome description. And I feel like so it goes. And it's, it's, just, it's uh, very like nonchalant way to look at it. Yeah. You just talked yeah. about the torture and death of a man on a cross, and you're just going to end it off with, I mean, that's life, I guess. It's the way it goes. <laughs> the way it goes. <laughs> Very true. Yeah, I mean, that's just really interesting. And, I mean, I don't know if, if you guys have um, anything else you want to say about the crucifix, just because I think that's a very um, kind of a, a, an interesting to point out, you know, because it has its own little paragraph for this crucifix. And it's just something that uh, – that Vonnegut seems to make a point of. Yeah, I mean, not so much on the crucifix, but just going back to the repetition, this is clearly something that he wants to drive home. The fact that, <laughs> like, so, I mean, I don't know exactly how many times it's used, but I would be willing to bet it's about one time per page or more. Yeah. So it's clearly a theme agree. that he's constantly trying to drive home. And maybe in the further chapters, we'll find out more having to do with I... the aliens or maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to get kind of off topic here, I, but I think it's worth mentioning that in that first chapter, when he's talking about how he's going to write the book about Dresden and stuff and how he thinks he's going to make a ton of money, but he has all these memories and he just can't put them on paper for some reason. I found that super odd. Right. Yeah. I mean, I also think that might be speaking a little bit to a lot of um, like military veterans who come home and just don't really want to relay their stories and relive those moments. You know, that could be part of it. Um, I have no idea, but I, I agree with you. That is interesting that he can't, even with the help of his friends, like he can't recall. Yeah, that's a those, that's a great uh, segue into segment two, actually, about the kids stuck into a man's war. Yeah, so if you guys want to, but first, I think we should have a word from our sponsor, Honey. Yeah, definitely. so Honey Let's is a free browser it. ad available on Google, uh, Opera, Firefox, Safari. If it's a browser, it has Honey. Honey automatically saves you money when you check out on sites like Amazon, Papa John's, Kohl's. Wherever you shop, it's a good chance that Honey can save you some money. All you have to do when you're checking out at these major sites is click that little orange button and it will scan the entire internet and find discount codes for you. It only takes two clicks to install Honey. 
Now, anytime you check out, Honey will scan the entire internet to find coupons for you. If there's a coupon code, code they will find it. Wow. If there's, so if there's, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not done here. <laughs> oh, my bad. There, there's literally no reason not to install Honey. It takes two clicks. 10 million people use it. 100,000 five-star reviews. Unless you hate money, you should install Honey. Very true. Uh, I mean, I have honey already. Same. I As do I. Use that myself. Saves me, saves me hundreds of dollars when Christmas shopping. Great for the holidays. <laughs> Christmas holiday. shopping, baby. All yes, right. Sir. So I think we should definitely get into our next segment about yeah. he really plays the kids stuck in a man's war. That that is true. So and it's uh, yeah. You can go. Sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, Eddie. You can start. I'm actually looking for a quote right now. Yeah, I was just gonna say, you know. The wife in chapter one was really upset with the fact that he was writing this war book and thought she was that he was going to make it all about like like this heroic act, like he was some heroic man, but in reality he was just a kid put into this war. And honestly, I think when he he gives her his word that he's not going to make it like that, like he's going to display the fact that like he's just a kid. And I think he's doing right. If this is the book that he's writing which we don't know for sure yet. I don't know. But I think he's doing a great job at that and making it really seem like this Billy is lost in a war that he should not. Yeah, no. And I think, um, I think that is a good point. Yeah. Mary, when she was talking and like how he promised her, obviously, I think that that's very interesting. Um, that like that she makes that point to like tell him you guys weren't heroes. You guys were just kids. And even, um, here in chapter two, Weary was talking to Billy and he was just saying how like Billy Billy was telling him how he went to college for a little bit and Joe and uh Weary was like that that means nothing to me, you know? It's like we're soldiers here. Just because you have an education doesn't mean like you're gonna be good. So it's just very interesting. Yeah. Another thing I noticed, I don't know, this wasn't a huge detail, but after they're captured in chapter three, it mentions that while Billy's on his way to the camp, or once he arrives at the camp, he's sleeping on the so- or on the shoulder of like an older army man in the camp, and it just like shows yeah. like he's he's like a scared little kid, like he's just looking for yeah, like I don't know, an adult figure, I guess, a comfort, life. just comfort. Yeah, comfort. I mean, this really opened my eyes up Which to like, is... how present this is in war movies and stuff today that I really never noticed when I'm watching war movies. I'm thinking, yeah, this is so cool, but that's not even close to the reality of war. Right. And I mean, even in war movies, like you're saying, a lot of um, the story, I mean, if you're looking at those war World War II movies, and those guys are like teens, they're kids our age, which is just like impossible to imagine, um, like going to that today, you know? Yeah, like uh, the movie, I mean, this is World War One, but the movie 1917, I think that's what it is. That the kid running in that cannot be more than twenty one years old, and yeah. I mean it really. Seriously. But it plays on like the emotions of like, wow, this is so cool. Like this guy just saved all those people, but in reality, he is probably fearing for his life, as I would yeah, be 100%. if I was in that situation. Yeah. I'm not that many years off, like four years off from that. So I don't know. I, no, and Eddie, with what you were saying about uh, like sleeping on the shoulder of one of the older guys, like. And even when he, uh, I feel like even some of us as teens, like we have that feeling of being invincible, you know, and untouchable, like oh, nothing's going to get me. But like we can go back to what we were talking about in 
the previous segment. Wow, he's willing to give that sniper another shot. He's like, you know what? Here, have another, have another shot at me. And it's just like, that's just insane. Yeah, I know. So like you always, shows. you always think like when you're younger, and I think this myself. Like, oh, like I'm able-bodied. Like nothing's gonna, like nothing could hurt me. But until you get shot by a sniper, <laughs> I mean, I'm yeah. not getting shot by a sniper anytime <laughs> soon. But that's just that's the mindset. Like when you're young. Nothing matters. You think you can yeah. run the world, which is no. which can be useful in some situations when you're looking to achieve your dreams and whatnot. But <laughs> in other ones, it could just put you in danger. No, I think uh, I totally agree with you, Eddie. Like it's almost like that saying, "Ignorance is bliss," and like the ignorance of the youth, we kind of just like think we're invincible. And you're right until you get shot by a sniper. I think that's a uh, a pretty rude awakening, but it's actually. Not an awakening. That's actually kind of putting you to sleep if you're catching my drift. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I think that he he didn't really realize, like, how big the whole kid stuck in a man's war thing until that talk. And I think it's important that on the – I don't know if it's on the electronic copy we have, but on most of the hard copies of this book, it says um, Slaughterhouse-Five or The Children's Crusade. Which I think is a pretty big deal to have like oh, yeah, a second a, a title point. on there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's really just a war fought by kids, and it was a war fought by kids, but something that's not affecting them. I mean, it does affect them, but they are not—they're not the ones who put themselves in that situation. No, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, it's just very interesting how like, and it's funny to me how Mary made such a big point of like. She wouldn't even like she was pretty upset that she he was even in her house like talking about that. And then once he said, Okay, like I won't make it seem like we were the heroes and then she's like, Okay. And also something to note is I don't know how important this was, but they make sure to mention that the kids aren't in the room when they're talking about that and they're upstairs. Yeah. And it, it might have been a completely different story, to be honest, if for one, he didn't visit uh O'Hare's house and for two if they didn't have kids because yeah you know she's putting herself in like a mother's like place i guess not not a mother's place but like she's thinking as a mother and she's just thinking about her own kids and how she would feel if they went to war like that yeah no it's yeah, been a very stereotypical war storybook if not for that conversation yeah i could right. totally see that and like it's it's very uh Eddie, you brought up a good point. Like, a, I feel like she has such a different perspective because she's like a mom, and obviously she doesn't want to see her kids, her babies going into war. Especially, I mean, he he even said Vonnegut says he was only eighteen at the end of the war. So, yeah, it was. And we were talking earlier about. I think Danny brought this up, the media and the popularity of war movies, and something I see on TV often when I'm watching. I don't know, a sport, like a sporting event that many kids are watching. They constantly play these Marine ads that are the few, the proud. And they make, yeah. they make the Marines look like, like it's like this, not camp because it looks hard, but they make it look like, wow, this is something that I want to join, that I want to be a part of. And clearly right. they know that younger audiences are seeing it. They're not directing that at 4 yeah, year I feel like we're never really so exposed just, to right. the reality of war without going. Yeah, we're we're often blinded to it, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like um, war sometimes is glorified when, like, 
that's definitely not what it is, you know? Yeah, like I don't know, but movies movies don't show the whole the whole not situation. They show they show the good stories, you know? Yeah. Like the, they show what the people want to see. Yeah, exactly. And I think I mean, maybe veering off the topic a little bit, but that that like speaks a lot of uh speaks volumes to our situation today. Like news is literally just what you want to see. Yeah, you like, can this this is I don't want to get too far off topic topic with this, but there's a news station for everybody. Yeah, like the, right. whatever you want to see, there's a news station that'll tell you it. Yeah, and I think that's uh that's also like a big um issue with our news because not everybody's hearing the same thing. It's not really news. It's really just what you want to hear and what you agree with. So it's like not going to challenge any of your views. I know. And it's hard to blame the audience because this is what they've known for us. At least this is what we've known for our entire lives. Like, right. And it's like, we're being told it by these supposedly credible news sources. So why should we not believe it? But then again, just question everything, I guess. I'm going to get a little more right. back on topic. Very I want to give a quick shout out to American Sniper because that's the first war movie I really watched and was scared of going to war after that just because they show really the horrors of yeah. war and all the PTSD that comes with it. And the one scene where he's, no, he has to like shoot a child. He has to decide whether he's going to shoot a child, which is just insane, but it definitely happens in the war. Yeah. Honestly, that movie, that I, I feel like that movie is a little bit better than other ones though, because it actually shows like the true horrors of like PTSD and like what happens after yeah. the war. Cause most movies right. are like, Oh, and then they won the fight and then they're just like done with it. But that one shows like when he comes home, if I'm not wrong, no, it doesn't it? it shows. And then he dies. Oh yeah. Shooting and trying You're to help right. PTSD victims. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, that's definitely a very sad movie. Um, whereas like, I don't know, other movies, such as I Twelve Strong. Have you guys seen that? I have not, that, but like uh, Full Metal Jacket. I mean, it shows the horrors a little, but that kind of yeah. Jacked there up you go. Horror, yeah, no, it definitely like they do a good job. I mean, they do their job. They like all those like Eddie. I know me and you were talking about this earlier today. Like the Marine commercials kind of pumped me up. Like I'm like, dang, I could I could go I could go enlist. You know? Yeah, and also. Like, we're this is not so much on topic, but we live in a society where like killing is glorified yeah. almost. Like, especially in America, um, I know this was a this was I saw this, I forget where I saw this, but like European countries would definitely show nudity over death to their children, but in the USA, yeah. it's definitely not the same way around. Like, kids, kids no, at six right. are seeing people die, like in movies like Braveheart and stuff like that. So normalized and, here for some reason. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I just wanted to drive home. Violence is normalized in the U.S. No, it's very good. Um, I think that's actually a good way to wrap up segment two. Um, so another word from our sponsors. You guys want to hear about Audible? Of course. Yeah. So Audible is actually one of the greatest. Um, websites run by Amazon, and it's just what it's amazing. It's it's the leading provider of audiobooks all throughout the internet. They have over 180,000 audiobooks to choose from. So if you visit audible.com, you could check it out today. Um, you guys can get whatever book you want to. It really makes reading much more enjoyable, honestly. I mean, because a lot of us we struggle with focusing, we're just sitting there like, ah, oh, when is this going to be done? Audible, though, 
you got this listening to it. You can listen to it in the car. You can listen to it while you're following along while you're reading. I think that's the best way to do it. It'll keep you engaged. It'll help um, with your comprehension. I mean, that'll go through the roof. It's the best place for audiobooks, and I cannot recommend it enough. So I might have to try that out. Audible. Wonder if they have a yeah. Slaughterhouse Five Ooh. Audible book. Yeah, go check that out today, yeah. guys. All right, so let's get into our segment three, Unstuck. So now, Unstuck, you guys might remember name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah let's so, just uh, let's just get it started with the simple here. question. Everybody's wondering it. I know I am. What's with uh, these aliens? What is what? <laughs> what's going on? What is with these? <laughs> they actually just came out after of nowhere. Like, yeah. hey, cool, that is boom, like fast. Yeah, and like these guys are seen in 4D. Like, what's the, going the on? Green plunger. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much to unpack. Yeah, gotta, I think. Okay, what? Where should we start? I mean, the importance <laughs> of death. We've already gone over that a little bit in segment one. How they see all these realities at once. So the importance of death is really minimal to them in there. Culture, I guess. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. <laughs> I, I remember they were saying how um, the what are they? Um, the the Ralph Tralfamadorians. Yeah, the Tralfamadorians. They like don't view death. They view death as just like a bad part of a person's life. They're like kind of stuck in a hard spot, but they're gonna get through it. And they're like because they can see other dem- like. Other parts of time, yeah, they're, right? They're That's living, the way I yeah, they can. It. So the way I read it was, no, oh, no, dude, you can go. Sorry. No, I was uh, just saying they see it as you're living every moment at once, and it's just which one you're seeing at that current time. Right. Yeah, and what I got from it was, so in chapter three, he talks a lot about like, oh, and now I'm in this reality, and now I'm in this reality. So it's not only like their current self is in this thing, but their past self is in this. I feel like they can bring themselves to those past moments. So nothing's really ever gone to them and they have no concept of, or honestly, I don't know what memories are for them or like if they have concepts of memories considering they're living it all at once. It's interesting. So it's very interesting. I mean, the description um, of the Tralfamadorians, they like, believe that er, er, here's right from the book the Tralfamadorians believe that the past present and future are merely the primitive notions of earthing starts to sounds like a comforting explanation for the intrusive nature of traumatic experience so it's like how everything's kind of all combined at once it's very interesting and something that obviously we don't see and obviously no beings that we know of see um yeah so so i think that i think this is why I think there's an importance of that third eye. They they purposely bring up the description, and it, it just seems like a very weird description of an alien. Not what many of us think of, I don't think. A little two-foot yeah. guy with a hand coming out of the top of his head with an eye in there. Yeah. And it, it gives me some Illuminati-type thing with like like some feeling like the all-seeing eye almost. Like They have this third yeah. eye that we don't have. They're able to see in 4D. They're able to be all these places at once. So this third eye seems to be like their glimpse into the past and all these other things. Yeah, I mean, it's just very um, – those guys are interesting. And I think you're right, Eddie. That third eye is very important because it's really driven home um, that point. Yeah, and honestly, we don't know much about them. They're very – they no. seem to be very mysterious in the book. And it's not like – 
all of his relatives are like, oh, nah, yeah, this nobody is so real. Him. No, he just, disa- <laughs> he just disappeared one day, showed up on a news station in, I think, New York, and just goes, yeah, I saw these yeah, alien also claims that they can warp time. Yeah, so and he then he's only, gone. He was there for years in, like, Trophamador or whatever, but he was only gone for, oh, like, yeah. seconds, yeah. seconds on Earth. Yeah. yeah, which is, like, insane. And obviously... I don't know. I don't know about you guys. If I could meet some Trout Famidors, that'd be pretty sick. Yeah, I mean, it must... Also, it's interesting that his daughter brings us up. He never talked about these aliens before his crash. Yeah. His plane right. crash. So, right. it really makes you wonder if he's actually seeing them or not, or if this is a result of, like, brain trauma. No, and then he... Because then he's like... She asked him why, and he's like... Yeah, it's kind of kind of sketchy that I didn't say anything before. Like, he's claiming it like, happened before the crash, so it doesn't seem great. Yeah, like, like what changed, buddy? Yeah, it, <laughs> I mean, want, it's really interesting, them, actually. Like, yeah, and I hope I hope we find out more about these aliens in later chapters. I mean, I don't even know. We're we're clearly missing some some big detail here, and I think it might be filled in later on down the road. Yeah, no, I think I mean we are we're only a little bit into this thing. We're three chapters deep. So it's definitely uh, something we'll learn more about. Um, and it's just very interesting. Like the, uh, <clears throat> the trail Famidorians can go like they're everywhere. They're everywhere at once. It's just yeah. such a, I feel like that's such a tough concept for us to wrap our heads around. So that's why like Billy's. Yeah. Billy I'm really just trying to figure out saying, you know, connect to the, yeah, it's the like, book, like whatsoever. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And I wonder if, so this just brings us back kind of to the beginning where we talked about, you know, like, is this book self like a further description of uh, the character in the first chapter? And it makes you wonder, so is he actually seeing these aliens or are the aliens like, uh, is he, what, what's the word I'm looking for here? Is he trying to like allude to something else with them? Yeah, very, very good point, especially especially just due to the timing of it all like post plane crash it's just very interesting like yeah, he could be alluding to something quick. else yeah it's more of a literary thing but we didn't mention it earlier the limericks he uses in that first chapter which is like my name is jan jansen i live in wisconsin and all that keep thinking about that oh i forgot about that yeah and how it goes on forever and ever. i think that's yeah. kind of like a resemblance of billy's life and how it's just all stuck in a loop like that a lo- oh, yeah, that's a, a very that, good point, that's a great thing to bring together. And some of the things he says just seem to make no sense. So this is <laughs> this might be a way too early call here. Maybe this guy's insane. I'm, I'm, we I support. Like I I mean this might this I mean this could be way too early to call, but the fact that he's just randomly spitting out these limericks, can't remember anything from his war days, and then comes in and starts talking about these aliens. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. This guy is a little bit, a uh, <laughs> little bit crazy. Hey, there's nothing too crazy though about your statement or too early. They they do the uh, the next year's draft right after the NFL draft finishes, so they're we're right there. You know? <laughs> yeah, they're like way too early predictions. Uh, round one, who's going off off the board first? Yeah. <laughs> so so I guess we'll see. I hope I hope they bring it up later in chapter, and I hope we can get back into the life of the author again. Yeah, I'm, interested I'm really interested in that. Author as a person too. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. I actually, uh, like one thing I wanted to talk about was seeing in 4D. I think that's like yeah, is this real? sweet. Is this real? 
But, like, we don't know what that – that's, like, trying to explain, like, what seeing is like to somebody who's blind or, like, hearing to a deaf yeah. person. Yeah. I have – this is a little – might be a little off track, but my physics project actually sure. involves this, trying to explain to somebody what it's like seeing into 10 dimensions at once. And I'll tell you something. It's very difficult. And it's similar to uh, – uh, whose whose story is it? Might be Plato, but his story where I could be wrong on that, but where like <laughs> these cavemen are looking at this wall and they see these shadows, and they they have no idea what's casting these shadows because they're stuck looking at it, and behind them one of them decides, okay, I'm gonna crawl out, and he crawls out of this cave and he sees like this entire world that like not he would never have seen before if he didn't leave the cave, so it's right. just like. It's it's hard to explain. Like he he wouldn't be able to go down there and explain to these other cavemen, like, oh, this is what you're missing out on, because all they know is like yeah. the shadows. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, it's really just impo- It's extremely difficult, almost probably impossible for us to really visualize what seeing in a fourth dimension is. But I feel like if uh, I don't know, I just think it's a very interesting point because he. He obviously talks about that a good bit, about the uh, Trout Famidorians. Yeah, and just so just so I know I'm not crazy, what it, what it was called was The Allegory of the Cave, and it's a book by Plato. I'm pretty sure okay. we read it before in uh, Theology, maybe. I read it in. It's but it's just interesting okay. to think about. Well, yeah. Do we have anything else I to mean, add on that segment? Or No, I mean, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean... Clearly, I mean, we're going to come back to this later, see what, see what goes on in our next podcast. Maybe we'll have our, our special guest on we'll with us definitely then. Have a special. Yeah, so we, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode of Unstuck. Make sure you come back next week to join me, Eddie, and Danny for another uh, thrilling episode where we try to uncover more of Thank what's you guys. going on in this book. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening to our podcast. Have a good one. Thank you.